Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Gwen Shietta, and welcome to this episode of Life on Your Terms. Today, we're going to be talking with Deborah Keevan. She is a word alchemist. She works with heart-centered entrepreneurs who are out to make an impact in their communities, their countries, and in the world. She helps them sparkle on the page, the web, and in their speaking. And today, she's going to share with us her journey and her lessons about the power of being still, being quiet, trusting your inner compass, and allowing joy to show up in your life. So let's get started. Debbie, you know, I've had a chance to watch some of your journey on a personal level, and it's been so exciting to see this process that you're going through, this transformation to create a life on your terms. So I'm so absolutely thrilled to have you with me this morning. I'm thrilled to be here, Gwen. Thank you so much for including me in your wonderful podcast. Well, let's just give the listeners a little bit of background. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, you were in a very different place. And so maybe you can just share with us where you were, what was happening in your life, uh, as much as you feel comfortable, you know, on a, on a personal level, um, job-wise, just, just where were you, Debbie, a, a couple of years ago? Sure. Um, it's a great place to start. So a couple of years ago, um, my husband at the time um, asked me for a divorce. And we were in, uh, I was in a, a very unique position in my life where I had never been before in that I had left my corporate position in 2010 to stay home and support my my youngest son in particular, but also my oldest. But my youngest son had been diagnosed um, as on the autism spectrum, and he was really struggling. And so for the first time in my life since I was 15 years old, I was really dependent on someone else and so when that when he asked for a divorce I had um, some pretty difficult decisions to make mm. when I left the corporate environment I was working 70 hours a week all around my kids schedule um, and I was emotionally and physically depleted I mean to the point where I started to go to an acupuncturist and she's like Debbie, you have like no pulses. And oh. she, 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 she worked on me for five years before routinely my pulses would show up. Um, and it was, I think I was really, you know, I call it hustling for my worth. And so when the time came that I needed to really get back into the workforce, I, I, I was being pressured, um, by my soon-to-be ex to go back into the corporate world. And certainly that probably would have been the easiest. You know, I would have had health insurance, but I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I, I've been doing some sort of freelance stuff on a charitable basis uh, for uh, my son's schools and a few other organizations. And I thought, I think I can probably make a go of this. And... <laughs> And I, I did. And, and despite, you know, people kind of looking at me, you know, in my family, no one else has been an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, very much a blue collar background where the longer you work, the more you prove yourself, that kind of thing. And I just, I didn't want 
that kind of existence. I wanted to build a complete life, part of which was me serving people who were out to make a difference in the world. And so that's where I was two years ago. And so tell me, you know, thinking of you in this place, and, and that was just a um, a beautiful description, you know, in, in terms of just being depleted. And so it sounds like something spoke to you. As you said, the easier way may have been to get a corporate job, go back to what you know, that was sort of the, the family values. But I'm, you know, I'm so fascinated. I call this the, the first L in the seven L series, which is listening. What if you kind of rewind and bring yourself back? What spoke to you? I mean, was it was it something in your gut? Was it visceral? Because and especially being in that depleted space to, to think of launching something on your own, it takes a ton of energy. So I, if, if you can focus on that listening for a second, because I'm curious what that was, what did you, what did you hear? What kind of spoke to you that made you said, wow, I, I, I have to pay attention to this. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I learned, relearned to listen to myself, to listen to my intuition, which in retrospect always has guided me but I had pushed my own feeling and listening aside to pay attention to others. You know, my ex-husband in particular, I, I really deferred to his intuition and what his gut told him. Even when it felt bad to me, I was just trying to keep the peace. And so I decided, first of all, to listen to my body and the thought of going back to a corporate role made me sick to my stomach like and that was really the first kind of clue um because I did get actually a really great job offer um and but I couldn't sleep I was just tossing and turning and I knew I had to turn it down and I kept thinking to myself oh my gosh what am I doing what am I doing I've got children I've got uh, you know kids getting ready to go off to college um, I've got to support myself, you know, health insurance, all that important, you know, adulting stuff. Right. <laughs> selfish, but I ultimately realized that I didn't have all the answers. And so I needed to listen to my heart to really create a life that included, you know, a career, but not necessarily, you know, as a separate silo and you know learning relearning that listening and the trust and that gut feel um has been just a huge gift because i'm finding that it leads me to really amazing things there's a great quote um by reverend david beckwith and he says god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called Ooh, I love that. Can you say that again? Sure. Um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And what he meant when he said that was when you get very clear about what you want and you really listen to yourself and to the signs that the universe or God or whatever you call those feelings inside of you, things Man, they, things line up to help you achieve what your dreams are. 
And so you have to say yes. You have to be very clear. And then the resources, the teachers, the mentors, the support, they show up. And I'll tell you, Gwen, that has been my experience time and again. Does it make you feel almost, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like afraid. It almost makes me feel um anxious for you that you were, you know, standing on this precipice and, and, and the odds almost would have said, go the corporate route, don't listen because you had turned that off. And if you think about if you hadn't taken that risk, if you hadn't listened, I mean, that was a big, that was a big calculated risk and leap. Like, does it scare you to think where you might be if you hadn't if you hadn't paused and, and listened and trusted your physical, your inner voice, does that scare you to think of where you might be right now? Um, I think instead of feeling scared, I actually feel grateful yeah. that I didn't yeah. listen to that because I believe had I gone back to the corporate world that my health would have suffered, right. my family would have suffered, I wouldn't be living my life under my own terms and really um embracing and and all uh, also uh, there's a there's a side benefit to this is that my children see me you know taking calculated risks because i i did do have you know some mad skills and and i do believe that i'm here to serve others and they get to see that and when i see them reaching for their own dreams but working hard but working in a way that brings them joy so it doesn't feel like work. It's, um, that's really the best gift. That's amazing. And probably one that at the outset, you know, that wasn't top of mind, but what an amazing gift, not only for you, but for them. And can you just say a little bit more, Debbie, because I think there's so many people that say, oh my gosh, I, I'm either in that place where I have completely shut that voice off, whether it's because of, you know, like you described a a relationship or just to keep the peace. But how, how did you find that inner voice again? I mean, what, how does one do that? At least from, from your, there's probably many ways, but how did you connect? I mean, you talked about paying attention to your physical body, maybe first, but for somebody who's going, I'm in that place, how do I hear myself again? How, how, what, what would you say to that? Well, for me, um, interestingly, I had been doing yoga at that point for about 15 years and the, you know, the, the idea of meditating kept coming up for me and I kept pushing it aside because I didn't think I could sit still for that long or what the heck does one do when one meditates and felt really uncomfortable. It just kept coming up for me and about two and a half years ago, um, Oprah and Deepak Chopra put out a 21, a free 21 day guided meditation. And I thought I'm going to try it because I don't know what else to do. And honestly, learning to be still and to be quiet and to just let things float in and out of my consciousness, but then really paying attention to what was showing up, that was really, I would say for me, the number one thing that I did is I got still and I got quiet and I made space in my day every day Mm -hmm. 
to be with just myself and my thoughts to just be help myself to get that clarity. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. You know, I interviewed Satyam, a yogi, uh, you know, a few episodes ago, and 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 he talked about that. I mean, it's amazing. We we think more doing will get us where we want to go faster, especially when you're in a period of change and transition and maybe pressure, you know, pressure to make money, you're going through a divorce. So it almost seems counterintuitive. I think people would think is I can't be still, but but amazingly, isn't that when you sometimes you have to to slow down to get to where you need to go? It's it's so true and it's funny because I throughout my career I was known as the woman who would get things done um, and I would I, I didn't miss deadlines I still don't miss deadlines I but I would they called it Debbie Dunn like it was all I was always you know doing 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 if some a project was behind schedule give it to Debbie she'll get it done if a team is falling apart give that team to Debbie she'll bring them together and I. I was always doing, I had to be doing all of the time. And what meditation opened up for me and someone else, I I, I wish I could remember who said this, but we're not human doings, we're human beings. And that really resonated with me. And it was like, I had to give myself permission to stop, to build time into my schedule. And I do it even now where I build time into my schedule to read and reflect and plan and dance. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I, you know, and, and part of that is, you know, caring for yourself. And it sounds like maybe you went through a phase where that was just, all of that was shut off. I mean, do you feel like now you've, it sounds like you've discovered the secret, almost the secret to, to life and to having a life, on your terms. I mean, and when I listen to you, um, the, the gratitude, but also just this emboldenedness of like, you will never let this get taken away from you again. Now that you've experienced what it feels like to, to own that and the value of that, it sounds like you will never let your inner compass be shut off again or be disconnected. Do do you feel like that? Yeah, I do. I feel it's funny that you say that, 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 um, you know, once you get that, you, you can't, I can't go back. I'm basically unemployable at this point. Um, because I, you know, I listen to my friends who go to jobs and they complain and, and they're really dissatisfied. And I, there are challenges and we'll get to those later. There are certainly challenges and I have the 3am sweats every once in a while. The thing that I think I learned by being still was I had to invest in myself first. And as a mom and as an employee, I had always put myself last. And by doing that, like I just talk about um, irony. Last January, I decided um, I needed to do something for myself off the grid every month. And so I, here I was with a, a fledgling business We just moved. A son was getting ready to go to college. Every, pretty much every aspect of my life was in motion. But I signed myself up for a monthly massage. There were times when it's like, okay, how am I going to pay for this monthly massage? I love it. Right. And you you might think, well, I can't afford this yet. I'll do that when I'm successful in quotes. And people even now to this day, I'm like, oh, I've got my massage. 
And now I go twice a month. <laughs> it, it, it connects me to my body in a way that keeps me very grounded. It's not an indulgence. It's actually, you mentioned the, the phrase self-care. And when, because I do that for myself, I'm able to be present for my family, for my clients, for my friends. And, and it enables me to just be, be f- present. I love it. You, I think you've just given a lot of listeners permission <laughs> to go sign up for massages. I love it. They're gonna say, "But Debbie, Debbie, you know, suggested it." So, I love it. I, I, that's such a beautiful example. And you know, I think the irony is going back to your philosophy. When you, it's not a selfish thing, but when you, when you put yourself first in terms of, I mean, taking care of the caregiver, right? When you do that, and you're and you're doing the right. Um, things to care for yourself, the, the rest sort of falls into place. So the money shows up to pay for those massages and everything else. It really does. And I, I often said that I wished I, I, I knew sooner in my life about the power of manifestation, which is really just clarity. I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's really about being clear with what you want and then the how shows up. And I think so many people worry about, you know, the how and how will they get the money and how will they um, succeed or what if they fail. And so they never take the chance. They don't really listen to that inner voice of, of what will bring them so much joy. Life is not meant to be a drudgery. It's not meant to be that image from um Oh, there's a, a movie, something, uh, something in the volcano. It's a Tom Hanks movie where he goes every day to an office and everything is gray. He's gray. Every, all of his coworkers are gray. And when he gets sucked into this other experience, the colors are vibrant and he feels alive. And, and that's what life ought to feel like every day for everyone. And, and really, if you commit to it, the how will, will take care of itself. Yeah. That is such a beautiful example. I just feel it's like going from the black and white movie to the, to the color, you know, and it, it sounds like that's where your life is now. It went from the, the gray to the, to the color. And, you know, and that's such an, a great point, Debbie, that sometimes we do, we get ahead of ourselves and we think we have to have it all figured out. And because we can't figure out, you know, steps, 13, 14, 15, we never get started. But if I'm taking away a gem here from you, it's all you have to do is get clear. If you do, if you can just focus on getting clear, the rest will unfold. But, but so many people don't get to the clarity because they're thinking about the end result. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, and so this is coming from a recovering um, perfectionist. I, at one point in my life, had to have all the answers. I needed to know the ending before I would invest in the beginning. And it's so funny because as I have taken care of myself and really listened to my dreams, what I'm finding is I'm okay not knowing. I really just need to know the ultimate goal, and I need to keep my my eyes on my feet and keep moving. I'm going to make mistakes. I have made mistakes, 
But if I learn from them, then they aren't really errors. They're really just growth opportunities. Um, I think Edison said it once. He said he 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 never failed. He just found ten thousand ways that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I think you know, just being clear. But I, I, so let me just give another example. I recently walked part of the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. And the very first day... And maybe tell people what that is in case they don't know. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, so the Camino, as it's commonly referred to, is an ancient pilgrimage path that traditionally starts in the Pyrenees in France and goes 500 miles to Santiago, Spain. And the origin of uh, Santiago actually is two words, San Tiago, which is, which is translated to St. James in... Um, there are actually, in the Christian faith, there are three pilgrimages, and San, the, the pilgrimage to Santiago is one of them. And so these ancient paths have been walked by hundreds of thousands of people since, you know, I think the first pilgrim was 982. And so I have, I walked for a week, so about 77 miles in um in the Midi Pyrenees. So I did a lesser known section in France. So the very first day of this pilgrimage, there were three mountains we had to climb. Mm. And at the top of each of the mountains were these ancient Roman fortresses. There are these old, old towns, like just so simple and beautiful, but we'd be at the the base of them. And the hills were so steep. I mean, I can't even tell you. And, and, you know, it was just like, you know, after walking, you know, 15 miles, and then you get to a base of another hill where there's going to be another gorgeous town at the top. And it's like, I can't believe, like, that is so high. And it was like, almost like billy goat high, like. Right, like up straight up and down, almost you know, 90 degrees. So, what, so yeah, so when I, I, I realized that if I looked and kept my eyes on where I was going, I got really discouraged. I mean, so discouraged. I'm never going to make it. I'm going to, I can't, I can't do it. I can't take one more step. But if I sort of leaned forward and had my pack, you know, sort of rest on my back and really focused on my feet and just that next foot step, before I knew it, I was at the top. And I think that that's just a really great analogy for living life that way. Okay. You know, I know what my goals are. I know ultimately where I want to be. Um, but if I keep looking up, everything feels so huge and unattainable. Whereas if I just keep looking down and just the next step and then the next and then the next, and I'm very clear about what I want and how I want to get there, mm -hmm. I have to trust myself and yeah. the universe and and everyone will be there to support me because ultimately I'm meant to be successful and happy and joyful. That's a beautiful analogy, Debbie. And so so with that in mind, so you know, to to switch gears a little bit, as you as you thought about um, what you were going to do next. So you knew you weren't going to do the corporate. So your toes were sort of were pointed towards um, more of a purposeful life and doing work that made a difference, you know, and so when I think about that L, which is love, which is, you know, your passions, what you love and what you live by your values, what, 
where where did you go? What was your thought about um, what that business was going to be, and and how it sort of aligned with um, with your personal values and what you were trying to create for yourself? That's such a great question. Um, I think honestly, I came to it by accident. Um, I I'm, I'm a, a a voracious learner. And because people would ask me things, if I didn't know it, I would learn it, which can be both a blessing and a curse um, in life because if you're always learning, you may not be moving yourself forward. And I had to learn to really listen. All my life, words have mattered to me. I've, I, I, I've been a reader, uh, and by a reader, I mean like crazy reading all of my life. Um, I'm also a reformed accountant, um, it, which is a great example of I could have been a writer much earlier in my life, but I, I was afraid. I needed something that was tangible that I could do no matter what. And so I ended up switching my degree and becoming an accountant. My graduate degree is in creative writing. <laughs> which, yeah, and there is some creativity in accounting. I realize that. But knowing you like I do, the, the writer seems like such a better fit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, love, I love words and I love the meaning of them. And I love putting just the right words together to really become very clear. And I realized that when I embraced that passion, I gave myself permission to tell others, this is what I do, and this is how I do it, and this is what makes me different. Now, I'm not for everyone, because I do have that touchy-feely, I'm very in tune with um, what I really want, and I help others do that as well. Um, so I think, for me, it was giving myself permission to just be abundant, to be need to be vulnerable and say, you know what, this is the real me. And yeah. I'm not, and it took, you know, I had lots of layers. I'm like Shrek. I have, I'm like an onion. I had to peel back all of those layers to really get to me. And well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah. And you know, and you talked about it a little bit, but elaborate a little bit more because you do, you have children, you are coming off of a divorce. Um, I mean, you probably had people in your life saying this is not the responsible thing to do. You need to get a job. I'm curious in your words. Yeah. What were some of those fears or, or layers that you had to peel back? Well, I had to peel back others' expectations. That was probably the biggest. You hit it on the head. Um, you know, my ex-husband was actually really angry with me when I said, um, I'm not going to go back and get you know, a corporate job. Um, and the pressure that he tried to put on, on me and then, and then my children was unbelievable. You know, some people in my family either directly or indirectly would say things like, you know, when you get back to the real world and, you know, for a long time I was just really quiet about it. And then I finally just you know, this is the real world. This is my real world. And my life is great. <laughs> and, and I'm not apologizing for that. 
<laughs> and you don't have to. And you don't have to. Yeah. So and and they probably look at you now. I mean, you're you know, you just um, exude this this happiness and energy. It's and it's this um, I've got it. Like, I, I, I just feel like the the life light bulb, you know, has has gone on. The It's clicked. You you know, I keep coming back to the secret of life. It's like you've you figured it out, you know, at, at least for yourself. And it may look different for for different people. But yeah, the expectation and that but that can be strong. I mean, that that as you know, that that doubt that people can uh, put or this isn't realistic or how are you going to pay? You know, all of that can be can really weigh you down and and, and have the, the doubt creep in. It's true. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's um, I, I was interviewed about a year ago um, and it was it's so fascinating to me, that interview, because the interviewer said to me, you're a risk taker. And I thought to myself, I'm not a risk taker. I'm totally not a risk taker. I'm I, I'm I'm a green slope skier. Catch <laughs> me bungee jumping, and that's what I equated with risk. But, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there's just something inside of me that had always been there. I mean, I was at 17. I moved out of my mother's home. I had $100 to my name, no job, no car a college acceptance with no idea how the heck I was going to pay for college. And I became emancipated, which meant I was financially and legally responsible for myself at 17. And I never, ever once questioned mm. whether I would get a degree or and as the first person in my college person person in my family to go to college that was something I have yeah. no idea where that came from but I do have this unfailing faith in myself and when I really tap into that it's pretty amazing and when I don't I'm just miserable you know Debbie it's so you're giving me some chills right now as I listen to you you know I think that um often we go through these dormant periods in our life that we get there slowly. You know, it's almost as if we don't even realize that they're happening to us sometimes. And I think I, I say sometimes, you know, I use this reference to 360, you know, 360 degrees of coming back to who we already are. And I feel like as I listen to you, I picture that 17-year-old girl with that, you know, rebellious, spirit in a positive in a positive way just this um this heart and this passion for life of you know nobody's going to hold you down and it's almost that you've come back you've tapped back into that spirited young girl and that's that's who you are today you've found that passion again you know and somehow it got dormant in between those those two stages I think it needed to, um, and I've done a, a little reflection on this. I think that all of the experiences that I had up until even two years ago, and even through today, they were necessary. They were necessary for me to really honor myself. And, you know, I'm grateful for the experiences. Some of them were exceedingly difficult. 
But what I did is this time, as you said, I tapped back into that young girl who had just complete faith in herself. And because of that, I am, you know, living my life on my own terms, but in such a joyful way and Mm -hmm. such really it's mindful. And I'm so grateful for the experiences that I've had, for the experiences I will have, for the people in my life, the teachers, the mentors, those who came at exactly the right time. Um, because it, it's, it's just, it reinforces my belief that we can, all of us have the life that we want on our own terms. Mm-hmm. And when you say joy, can you def- define that? What does that feel like for you? Because, you know, I want to hear, uh, ask you a little bit about how you started your business and how you made that happen. But, but honestly, I feel like even more important than that is because a lot, I think there's a lot of people who forgotten or, or don't know what joy feels like. What, what does that, what does that feel like? Oh, it's funny because I think for many years, I really focused on, I want to be happy. I want, I don't feel happy. And what I realized at some point, there was a, just a, there was a moment, honestly, I was in my kitchen. I had the windows open. There was a beautiful breeze coming in. There was a smell of freshly cut grass. And I had um, some of my favorite music playing. And it was just this sense of, oh my God, this is just amazing. And that feeling of, I couldn't stop smiling. And it was nothing big, but it was just those those scents and those sounds and the feeling of being safe. And, and I get to do this with my life. Dancing in my kitchen, candles burning, um, laughing, being silly, not necessarily taking everything so seriously. Right. Just simple joy. But, but it sounds like you were, you're full. I just think of you as being full, you know? Yeah. I feel like there was a point, a couple of times I've actually felt so joyful and full, as you say, that I would, tears would just start coming and it's like out of the blue and and that's really the first time in my life that that has happened for me. And I don't take it for granted. Joy, like to go, wow, this is what joy and being full up feels yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. And it was the, it was the getting clear and, and truly following the path that aligned with your values. And so describe a little bit about I mean, what did you actually do to start that business? I mean, just break it down a little bit. If somebody's going, all right, this all sounds great. I'm listening to her interview. I've got an idea. I want to follow. But but like literally, you know, just how did you actually start? Did you get a contract writing for somebody? What? Give us a little bit of insight of what that leap looked like. Yeah, so... Again, a great question, and I wish I had a beautiful uh, answer for you, but it was it was messy. <laughs> That's okay. It, well, I, I sort of stumbled into it. Someone called me up and said, 
I need help designing a website. Can you do that? And I said, sure. Um, I've done that before. I can do that. And so I did one and they were very happy. So I did another and, and I was working, um, I was bringing in some money, but it wasn't consistent. I knew I wasn't, you know, charging what my worth was. I was doing a lot of things gratis and needed to become clear. And so I, I honestly, I, this is going to sound really strange, but I was in Italy with a couple of friends and we had gone there to read some of our work, um, before an international audience. And while we were there, my one friend said, I have these things called angel cards and we're going to just each pull one every day. And, and let's just see what our day is going to bring. We just did it for fun. We were there for 10 days and eight days out of the 10, I pulled the same card and it was a pack of 64 cards that had been shuffled the same card. And that card was get out of your own way. Wow. Those odds, that doesn't happen, but that doesn't happen by chance. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm getting the message. I don't know how I'm in my own way, but I do know that I don't need to do this on my own. And so I came home and like three days after I was home, I was clicking around in Facebook and a friend of mine had a post and it was a post of a business mentor. And I clicked on the video because I think the words were, are you getting in your own way? And I'm like, oh my gosh, all right, I'm getting hit over the head by, with a two by four here. And so the long and the short of it is listening to those series of videos that really spoke to me about that there were people like me out there in the world, people who had a service mindset, who really wanted to serve in a very mindful, purposeful way who could support me that I didn't have to have all the answers and from someone who was the go-to person, the person who had the answers and the solutions, that was a really big shift for me, mm-hmm. not having to do it all myself, not needing all the answers and trusting that there could be people out, like me out there. I really thought I was kind of so far unique And I found that while, yeah, I am pretty unique in many ways, there are also a whole lot of people who think the way I do. And joining that community and getting the structure and the mentorship that I really needed helped me, A, get clarity, and B, um, grow faster than I would have had I done it all on my own. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a huge lesson. And like you said, especially for someone who has sort of operated as the go-to person, the Debbie, you know, the Debbie do it, as you said, <laughs> Debbie right. doing it, Debbie done, um, to be able to, to kind of do that sort of mind shift and say, wait a minute. And this was new territory for you. Like you said, you you weren't an entrepreneur before, but you you wanted this. And so I think that's a great piece of advice is that if you're going down a path, be open to getting some help from other people and right. finding a community, right? The, the right community for you. Yeah. It's, I think it's imperative actually, because as, as you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, especially, you know, I, my, my office is in my home. So if, and as a writer, I could sit behind my computer all day long, um, very comfortable there. 
but it doesn't serve me and it doesn't, you know, people aren't just going to come naturally knocking at my door. Um, I need to let people know who I am so they can know, like, and trust me, uh, or, and just, you know, be open to, to sharing my gifts with others. And that's, wasn't very comfortable for me. I will say the first meeting we, we meet quarterly in this, this particular group that I'm in. And I was like a wallflower, you know, I said nothing by the second meeting. I was a lot more comfortable. I'd made a few friends who really helped me shift even faster because they'd done some of the stuff. Or if I had a question, um, just lots of advice, like what worked for them. And, and the way that I love, what I love about this group is they're cheerleaders and, and, you know, working for yourself, it's, it can be easy to feel stuck or mm. down or, um, mm. not sure of that next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just having someone I can pick up the phone and say, Hey, I just need to talk for five minutes and just talking things through and having a great listening ear with someone asking great questions, the answers come. It's so, so important to not be isolated and not, again, going back to what you said about having to have all the answers. I mean, just having that support network on so many levels. As I listen to you, I think that's another takeaway, is especially as you're going through life transitions, the people that you surround yourself by also change. I picture you at the beginning of this conversation, you know, talking about the marriage and where you were and thinking about where you are now and how so many things internally have changed. But also it sounds like the people around you on many levels have changed. Absolutely. There's a, um, a great quote that says a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think when you surround yourself with people who are also upwardly mobile, who have big, hairy, audacious goals to make a difference in the world, you, you, you naturally rise with them. Yeah. And, and I'm very mindful about um, toxicity and, and blessing, pe- blessing and releasing people who have been in my life but who aren't going where I'm going, um, maybe because they don't believe it's possible or their negative thinking. Um, because, you know, I, I, again, they are who they are and, and I'm not judging them. But for me, I pick up a lot of other people's energy. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us do. And, and I'm very mindful to surround myself with people who have really great energy. It's so key and who are maybe even a little bit, like you said, ahead, you know, in your support group, et cetera. So how do you, how do you define your business now? And I'm, so I'm curious, I know you've had some, some growth and you're, you know, figuring out what that is, but so if someone says, well, what is your business, Debbie? How, how do you define what it is and what do you see as sort of the next phase uh, for it? Yeah, so primarily I, I, I write and I, cop, I do copywriting for people, whether it's on their websites or their business materials or their brochures. I also edit. I have um, just recently 
finished two books for people. They've written um, written materials down, and I've helped them get clear on what they're trying to say and who they're trying to reach, and then you know done some pretty significant editing to get those books ready for publication. Um, and I also help people tell their stories. Um, so I help them embrace who they are, the full them, so that their story can, you know, get out into the world to help them achieve whatever it is they're looking to achieve. So that's primarily what I, I do. I lead people um, as a coach. So I coach people um, on how to use their words and in, in, you know, the written word or speaking to really achieve what they want to achieve and to attract their ideal clients as well as repel those who they're, whom they're not meant to serve. Mm-hmm. And what do you see as next? I'm curious, and if, was there anything that you uh, would say has been your biggest learning on the on the business side, but that now as you kind of look at that level up phase of of what's next for you, what do you, as you look towards that next mountain, um, how do you see maybe taking a lesson learned and, and tweaking? What are you excited about? I'm excited about leveraging my business. And by, by what I mean by leveraging my business is me working less, but having more income. So really taking what I do and either teaching others to do it um, or bringing on um, copywriters who do some of the work in the way that I do it. Um, I've, de- I've created sort of my own copywriting process um, that I, I love to, I would love to share with people. So, so my goal is to, you know, have more time off, but still, you know, have, have more of an impact in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt for a second that you, <laughs> that you, you won't get there. You will absolutely get there. You know, at the beginning of the interview, Debbie, you said you're unemployable. I mean, I, I think you want to keep it that way. You, you, I don't imagine that you ever want to go work for a corporation <laughs> other than leading your own. <laughs> I could see consulting for people, yeah. um, maybe leading workshops, but yeah, no, not, uh, I don't see me doing the nine to five for yeah. someone else ever again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you are truly, you, you had this entrepreneur inside of you. That's just come out that has had some success. I mean, and, and your, your vision is big. I mean, it's, you know, to, to, to grow this, to create this. And I think to make impact, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about that? Because I know that that's important, not just to, to make money, to have this business, but you want to do work that's going to make a difference in the world. Right. And so the people that I tend to work with are those people who are making a difference in the world. Um, and I have several examples that I could share. Um, I have, I have one client who, who's really out to change the way that, um, the medical field works with people. She's, she's taking, the idea that um, we need to have a team, that individuals need to be empowered to take on their own wellness, and that health coaches have an integral role in the future of healthcare because 
if we only focus on dis-ease, you know, diabetes and obesity and heart disease, we're only dealing with the outcomes rather than proactively looking to be well mm-hmm. and to keep our bodies and our minds and our spirit strong going forward. She's not out to make a small change in this world. She's out to revolutionize the, the way that we think about our health. Mm-hmm. And I am so excited to be part, a very small part of that, to help her find the words mm-hmm. as she just has this incredible vision. Um, I have another client who is out to transform the way the medical field um, deals with, you know, works together within their own space. So, for example, um, Medicare, I didn't even know this, but Medicare reimburses hospitals and doctors based upon patient satisfaction. Mm. So how do you build a team that's a real team that looks like a team, feels like a team, looks out for each other so that the outcome is, you know, absolutely delighted patients. So I, it, it's that those are two medical field examples, but that's just, yeah. those are just two. Um, I also work with, you know, authors who, you know, want to, um, really bring more joy to people who, um, I have a, a, a client who is determined to transform the way people go through divorce, that not to have these slash and burn experiences, but rather, you know, stay connected and, 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 um, have a very mindful divorce so that the impact on families can be lessened mm-hmm. and children don't have to suffer. So, these are people who have incredible visions um, and it's just my absolute pleasure to be a part of their teams as they bring their, their messages to the world. So for me, I've always had a service mindset. So marrying my love of words and making a difference with them as the world shifters take on um, these big, um, big tasks is just, it brings me joy. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's so, it's so perfect. And I, I guess the interesting thing, Debbie, it's, I, I love this to go full circle back to the beginning of our conversation. I mean, you, you didn't know this is where exactly you were going to end up. I mean, you, you, you had this, you, you were committed to being still and quiet and get clarity and do something that was going to be by your values and that you were passionate about and of service. But I guess I would venture to say this exact, the way that it's come together, you probably didn't, it probably you didn't know it was going to look exactly like it does. And it may continue to morph. I mean, I guess that's kind of a beautiful thing. It's like the, the universe is ahead of us, right? It's almost like one, it know it knows before we know. Right. Yeah, and that it's a perfect example. I mean, I if you'd asked me two years ago if I thought I could make a living as a writer, I would have said no because the 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 general consensus is that a writers are poor, that b writers have to have a second job, and c you know everybody can write, and 
had I really focused on those sort of tropes, I would, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I had to learn to say no in order to say yes. And would truly believe that I could do it. When you say you say no to what? Um, what I, what I, I did in the very beginning of, of working was because, you know, here I am, single mom, bills to pay, children to raise, um, wanting to live life and not just be working. I said yes to a lot of different things. Oh, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. And what ended up happening was I didn't get any traction. I was doing too many different things for too many different people and they were disparate and they weren't sort of aligned with, I wasn't, I wasn't willing at that time to fully embrace the fact that I'm a writer. And that was fear, fear of not being able to pay bills, fear of not being able to, you know, um, have income, fear of, you know, turning away clients that then I wouldn't have any. And what I found was if I said there were things, so my mentor was, was, did this great exercise where she had to draw a big square and then divide it into four quadrants. Upper left quadrant is stuff that I'm uniquely brilliant at. The upper right quadrant was stuff that I'm excellent at. The bottom left quadrant is stuff that I can do, but I really don't enjoy. And the bottom right quadrant was stuff I should never be doing. <laughs> I suck at it. And so she said, write down all the things that you're doing and where those things belong. And then she said, get a big black marker and divide the paper in half um, horizontally with the things, the upper right and the upper left quadrants are the things that you need to be spending all of your time in. 80% in the upper left, 20% in the upper right, and anything below that line, you need to get rid of as soon as possible. And so it was like, oh, yeah, I'm a reformed accountant, but I really hate doing my, my company books. So one number one thing for me was I had to get a bookkeeper because I was spending time and energy in a place that didn't bring me joy. I love it. I, this is such a wonderful tip. I, you know, as people are listening to the show, I encourage them to do the same exercise. We should all do this exercise. And I think so often, especially entrepreneurs, and especially in the beginning, feel like we have to do it all because A, maybe we can't afford it to hire the the bookkeeper or there's just this um, mentality that we may bring to it. So that was so, and, and so that allowed you to start saying no. Right. Well, and you just said something that, that really I think is important. You said, I can't afford it. And one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years is to reframe that. Well, number one, me doing bookkeeping, because I don't enjoy it, I would put it off and then it would sit out there and then I would feel uncomfortable there was a lot of negative energy around that. And then when I would do it, I would not have that. I would be taking a chunk of my time. Couldn't be serving my ideal clients or networking or being in the place that did bring me joy. So that's number one. And number two, 
instead of saying, I can't afford it, I always reframe it to how can I afford it? What do I need to do to bring in the kind of income that I need to allow this to occur? And I found that when I reframe it, the world opens up and opportunity comes in the form of uh, new clients. It comes in the form of creativity. It comes in, in so many ways. And, and maybe I don't have it right then, but I always put a, I put a stake in the ground and say, okay, yep. how can I afford it? And what do I have to do to get there? And give myself a time limit. That is such excellent, excellent advice. And, you know, that goes back to words, right? Just shifting, shifting our words, shifting our internal dialogue slightly and how that then changes our reality. You know, in, in, in a few words, Debbie, I'd love to hear you've given so much fabulous advice and something that I keep hearing as you're speaking is the word trust. I keep hearing the word trust as you talk. I mean, trust your inner voice, trust the universe, trust this process. But in 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 your words, well, I want to ask you two last things before we wrap this this wonderful dialogue this morning. Um, is there a number one thing if somebody said, "Okay, I I hear you. I want to create a life on my terms. I'm stuck. I know there's something you know bigger, different." Um, is it that getting clear? Is it trust? What would be your what is your number one piece of advice for somebody? who wants to go down a similar path to create a life on their terms? I think the number one thing, if I have to pick just one, would be to believe that it's possible. And if you truly believe that it's possible, you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. So belief. Start belief. with the belief. Yeah. Belief in yourself, belief in the process, belief that that you can have it all. Um, there's a great quote by Anas, Anas Nin who said, that says, um, the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Mm -hmm. And I think we, once we all reach that point, some of us reach it later in life, some of us reach it sooner. If you have the belief that your bloom is just perfect, then you'll do it. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you have certainly blossomed and I know, I know you will continue to do so. If you were to just say it in a sentence or two, how you define life on your terms, your life on your terms in a sentence or two, how do you define that? I would say, Living life on my own terms for me is having the flexibility to work the way that I want to work with whom I'm meant to serve in a way that keeps me smiling, that brings joy into my life and allows me to spread some to others. Um, I think it's pretty simple. Yeah. It's really just, even when you get discouraged, just, you know, having, having something to 
pull out and read or, you know, take the time to be still and give yourself permission to dream a bigger dream for yourself. Mm-hmm. I love it. Dreaming and joy. I just picture you in the kitchen with the <laughs> windows open and those, the, it's those moments, you know, I mean, that's, you are truly just such a wonderful example of living a life on your terms, Debbie. And I know that um, people may be interested in reaching out to you and learning more about what you do. Can you share what is the best way for people to reach you? And I know you have a little bit of a uh, of a of a gift for those who do as well. Sure. Um, the best way to reach me is via email. It and my email is Debbie. D-E-B-B-Y at ripcordcom.com and that's R-I-P-C-O-R-D-C-O-M-M dot com. I can also be reached um, on my business line, which is 443-420-7591. And you're right, Gwen. Um, you're going to put up with your podcast this little free giveaway that uh, I have which is how to create um, your media guide. It's really the easy steps to create a, a stellar bio and um, put in in a document that can be used pre-interview. It can be used um, to help you get in front of the media um, for press coverage, um, depending upon what you're trying to do. And I, I always say to my clients, a media guide is a great thing to have because it helps you really be very succinct, really show your value. And it's very professional. <laughs> I, I, I had no doubt that it would be. So it's really a, a tool, basically a, a toolkit to help people um, create their media message, tell their story, et cetera, and deliver in a way that's going to be compelling uh, to an audience. Absolutely. And the number one thing in there that can be used by everyone is how to unsuckify your bio. <laughs> So everybody can benefit from this. Yeah. I love especially, it. Especially, you know, I, I, I say unsuckify your bio because it's, first of all, it's kind of shocking. <laughs> but, but really, those of us who have come from corporate, we have these very staid, very businessy bios. And when you're an entrepreneur, people, yeah, they want to know, you know, where you went to school and what your credentials are. But more more important. They want to know who you are. Exactly. Well, this is a resource. I encourage everybody to check it out. We'll have the link uh, on the Life on Your Terms website so people can go right there and find that. Uh, Debbie, I mean, you have just been such a joy, if I can borrow your word, to, to talk with this morning. I'm so honored that you took the time to share your wonderful journey and I'm, I'm so excited for this this peak that you've reached and no doubt there will be more mountains to climb thank you so much for for joining us today thank you so much for having me Gwen it's been really lovely to reflect this morning and I, I'm so appreciative and grateful for the opportunity well everybody thank you again for joining me on another episode of life on your terms please visit the website at L-O-Y-T Inner Compass and share your comments, questions, or suggestions for future topics. And until next time, I hope you are inspired and have the courage to live life on your terms.